This week on the JT and Big O podcast, me and Ryan speak about Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. Was it good? Was it bad? We'll find out. We'll also be talking about... I didn't prep for any of this. I never prep for any of this. We'll I know, be... but that's what makes the intro so good. <laughs> it's raw. I, actually, I should mention something, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up in a minute. We'll also be talking about Fantasy Island. Was that good? Was it bad? <laughs> it was awful. And what? I... <laughs> I actually didn't see it, but I, I only have one comment to make. Ryan's going to really cover that one. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Razzies, Stranger Things, uh, the teaser that came out, Batman, and uh, and a little bit more. Which is only one other thing, but it kind of cut off my sheet, so I'll, I'll bring that up if we get to it. So. No time to die on air. Really. <laughs> no. It, it, the story is dying. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am JT McGuire, also known as Video Geek JT. You can find me on social media. Uh, mostly just look at VideoGeekJT.com because I'm too lazy to list out everything. And along with me is my partner, Ryan Big O'Regan. And his social media is Real Ordeal uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and it is spelled R E E L. O-R-D-E-A-L, because Ryan has to be difficult. It's branding, all right? It's clever. <laughs> Besides, I think the other reel is actually taken. But despite that, it's, it's a clever turn on. It's, it's my homage to the great view askew that Kevin Smith inducted into the world. So that just happens to be my thing for that. No, it's clever. I, 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 I'm not taking that away. It's just like, I think the first few times I went there, I was like, I kept going to the other guy that existed because I kept spelling it wrong. Yeah, because it's in that, well, because, I mean, I guess if you don't know me, you don't think that I'm movie-oriented. Once you find that out, okay, it makes sense. But, yeah. He's in the movies. Run. Yep. Yes. Some some good, some bad, some you can actually find on Amazon Prime right now. But, (laughs) yes, that's true. I have a movie on Amazon Prime. Not my movie. It's a movie that I'm in, that I'm uh, co-starring in, and I am showing my support to Prince of Bollywood. You can find it on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, go ahead and uh, you can actually find a clip of it on the social medias that he mentioned on Instagram or Twitter. And yeah, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, so we uh, do have to do like the title says and gotta go fast through everything on this <laughs> list. Even the stuff that didn't print on the list. Yes, the I killed I killed a tree this week for this one piece of paper with uh, our entire list on it. You butcher. But yeah, let's just really jump into the topics here, and we gotta talk Sonic the Hedgehog. Obviously, uh, rather controversial in regards to the um, behind-the-scenes work of getting the character on screen, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were questioning whether or not it would actually do anything on Valentine's weekend when it got pushed back because of all the edits. I think it can safely be said, it was worth it. The movie itself, fine, fun, family film, and at this point is on to record uh, 57 million for the three-day weekend, 68 million for the four-day holiday weekend, because thank you, President's Day, and <laughs> beats the record for video game movies, which was set by uh, Detective Pikachu last summer. So when you think about it, uh, the highest rated, highest grossing at that point in regards to a video game movie came out uh, right after Avengers Endgame. In May, in the summer, and Sonic in February at Valentine's Day 
beat it. That in itself says loads about the marketability of this movie. Art more of the marketability of this character. If you really think about it, over the years, this this uh, Sonic the Hedgehog has had so many bad movies, so many bad TV shows. Well, but uh, I'll bad add, games more so than the other stuff. I think uh, as far as the TV shows, only Sonic, Sonic Boom was really like ill. By the way, the the doll behind you is Sonic Boom. <laughs> well, there you go. You know that, that's why it's behind me. You know it doesn't get the full <laughs> cast. But hmm. I, I. But at the same time, you know, like. He, some uh, some characters, they have a bad video game or there's some bad press, and they go away for a while because people don't want to deal with them. I feel Sonic has always had such a cool factor that even when uh, he comes out with something bad, people still like him. It, it's, it's There's something about that character. Would, would you agree with me or disagree with me? I would say so. Sonic is kind of like... Um, if I could categorize it, he's pretty much just like um, like a certain comedian... Um, you know, sometimes some jokes hit, sometimes some jokes miss, but anytime he comes out with something, it always brings up a a good amount of press, a good amount of fanfare. People love him regardless of how bad or good his material may be. I'm talking about Dave Chappelle. All right. It it all comes back to Dave Chappelle. I was trying to think of some joke to bring him up, but I couldn't. Yeah, no. I I mean, that's pretty much the, the appeal of people like Sonic, people like Dave. It's like, Regardless of what comes from them, there's always just like this gravity, toward, this almost uh, innate charisma that comes from them. And mind you, this is a Sonic that is, I would say, somewhat different than what you've gotten in like the cartoons and the games. Because he always had like that too cool for school kind of factor. Mm-hmm. This one's neurotic. You know, he, he's had some problems the being by himself for many a years. He's almost like schizo. Would, would you say the the character in the movie actually seems a little more likable than any of the other portrayals in the past? I because personally, I I can probably either relate to him or like him a lot better than I have other versions in cartoons and uh, games. I would say so because normally Sonic's always kind of had like this cocky, you know, you know, we get through it sort of demeanor. It's like you know, well, I'm Sonic, so of course we're going to win. It's no problem. But this one, he sees his power as a blessing and a curse. Which, in many forms, it would be. Any kind, anytime you've seen something with like a speedster, whether it be The Flash, whether it be Quicksilver, which, boy, did they take a lot from X-Men in this movie. But when you see those people, they always see like the, the positive and the negative of who they are and what they can do. And I think this Sonic gives you that more so than any version beforehand. And it makes sense to do so, considering this is like an origin story. This is like pre-first game. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why you see a lot of like uh, little bits and pieces that tie into the franchise that normally would be like, okay, well, they're just doing that for the fans. But no, this actually almost gives you like an explanation that why he has the shoes or why he has maybe an affinity for chili dogs. It, 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 <laughs> it, it's all these little nuances that if you weren't a fan of the character, it just makes him a little bit more enjoyable. But then when you know the character, it's like, Wow, that's actually a very clever way to tie that in. Now, now, the funny thing about the Chili Dogs is the Chili Dogs was only popular in the awful cartoon from like the the early nineties. But that's the thing. But, but it everyone from all franchises. But over, oh, but you know, I think everyone recognizes that though. Like they always associate Chili Dog with Sonic, even though it was only that one awful cartoon that associated. With. And uh, I saw that with our friend Steve, and Steve, very excitable guy at times. The minute he saw him like start stuffing chili dogs down his throat, he just started <laughs> laughing. 
It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I can't do Steve. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, that, that's the, I think that's the beauty of like this kind of movie where if you're starting from like a fresh palette and you're introducing everything, then you can introduce whatever the hell you want in any degree. Like, obviously, the whole gotta go fast line, you know, that came from the Sonic X uh, television show because mm-hmm. of the theme song. The Chili Dogs, yes, that came from the cartoon. Uh, the, a lot of the video game references, uh, the emblem on his bandana when he's doing the nunchucks, you know. You can pull from everything that you want to, and you can fit it in because this is all the beginning. This all just leads into everything else that we know. And obviously, if I do believe there is going to be a sequel. They kind of have to have yeah. a sequel after With, this kind of an opening. Yeah, that, that much money. Plus, they, they uh, and I should point out right now, uh, they, we will be talking some spoilers here because there's no way to really avoid them in this film. Well, not to mention but. the spoilers aren't exactly like spoilery. I mean, uh, as far as the fate of Robotnik, you saw that in the trailer. Well, you knew where that was going. It was he. It wasn't even the trailer. I thought it was, it was like, in the it trailer. Was, it was a picture they put out. It's like, see, he does look like Robotnik because the, the the initial Jim Carrey in the film looks doesn't really look like Robotnik. No, but that final scene where he like pulls down the goggles yeah. and his mustache is all braided up. That's him on the Mushroom Planet. That's where he ends up at the end of the movie. By the way, so, uh, Steve was asking me this. Do you think that was a reference to Super Mario? Because, you know, consistently throughout the the film, he was like, I don't want to go to the Mushroom Planet. I think it's a a clever little tongue-in-cheek sort of thing, because, mind you, there is a level called Mushroom Hill Zone. Oh, there was? There there is a level like that in the video games. I forgot about that. No, but it, it doesn't look like this planet, though, and the fact that it's just so much mushroom. Like, oh, my God, it's so much mushroom. Uh, I I almost was hoping that, you know, someone said something like kingdom. I was hoping the word kingdom would just <laughs> pop out, but maybe they couldn't. So the safest way was just saying mushroom planet, mushroom planet, mushroom world, mushroom planet. And I get it. And, and and mind you, when you there's the one scene where he's like looking at the map and deciding, okay, now I have to go to the mushroom planet. You see all those other planets. Those are marked off. I've got to think those are like references to other levels, too places that we could possibly see in a sequel if they're jumping from uh, Earth to the Mushroom Planet, if the old Robotnik is still there, or back to Mobius, which, mind you, they never call it Mobius, but I imagine that's what the island is. Yeah, So, and that's why I was thinking, too. But well, they always call... I thought they... Yeah, yeah, you're correct. Uh, but I don't know. There's... I... I'm going to stick on positives for now because I, I really like to stick with positives. And well, did thing, you like the movie? That's the important I thing. did. Yeah. I, uh... I did not think it was a well-made movie, but it was by far a very fun movie, especially if you're a Sonic fan. Well, here's the thing. Okay, okay. Let me let me just preference this. What do you mean by not a well-made movie? Well, like I said, I want I want to stick on the positives first. I, I have a whole list of cons here. Wow, really? <laughs> that, yeah, you're that disparaged. Let's see what what what's on my uh, list here. Uh, more holes in the plot than on the Gen J turnpike. Jesus. But there was. It's a kids movie. I mean, I was, and like I said, I'm. I. It's hard to grade a movie like this because you know, if I was seventy, and I, I thought about this even before we started recording today. If I was seven or eight years old, I would have loved this movie. I would have gotten it on DVD. I would have watched it over and over again. Right. I, I think though, the problem ends up being when you do grow. I'm. I'm a. I'm a grown up going to see a kids movie. Like I had, I I'm grading on a curve on this film because I I did enjoy it, and you have to take the good, but it's hard to still avoid a lot of the problems when you are old enough 
to catch these problems. Right, but you have to go in with a sense of disbelief. I think anytime you're going into a movie where you are not necessarily the target demographic, you have to just go in with like a clean slate of mind. But there's stuff there that just doesn't even make sense to if you were like suspending the uh, disbelief. Okay, give me a for instance. All right, at the very end of the film, All right. um, Robotnik has figured out a way to uh, chase Sonic at the same speed that Sonic moves, and they're going from place to place. Now, just before this happens, they uh, they pushed the two uh, human main characters in there, Tom and... Uh, I can't think of her name. Pretzel Girl. Pretzel Girl. We'll go Pretzel Girl. Donut Lord and Pretzel Girl. By the girl. way, I do want to bring that up, because that was, that was clever. I didn't know why they were doing that stupid joke, and it came back later on. I do want to bring that up. Uh, but they basically, the rings in this movie are portals, and uh, he uses one of these rings just before this big chase scene with Robotnik mm-hmm. to throw them back to their, home, uh, their hometown, Green yeah. Hill. And Green then is. they do this really fast-paced chase, and then they end up in uh, Green Hill at the end. But mm-hmm. it's, like, it's very fast. It's not supposed to be that long. But by the time they get back to Green Hill, it's nighttime. Right. And it's like, why is it nighttime? It was daytime, like, not too long ago. It's, there, I don't feel enough time changed to get that dark. In addition to that, like uh, the human characters who are now over there, they just kind of wander out into the scene. Like, what the hell were they doing? Were they trying to find out what was going on with Sonic? I mean, yeah, they were probably just heading back from the barn, and that was probably at sunset. So by the time they got it, back there... But it, it didn't probably- look like sunset. It, it looked like it was still like maybe midday. That's the country, man. It's like the sun can no, go no, in an instant. No, 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 no. no. There's no, there's no uh, amber glow or, you know... Admit that's a plot hole. <laughs> I'm just saying, considering you're going from, like, planet to planet and, like, country to country, there's not necessarily a way of discerning that time is relative in all of these particular spaces. So they so were, the use they of the were running that fast for that long that it, it like, hours passed by? No, I'm just saying that it's quite a possibility that just simply jumping through the hoop, uh, it puts you when you have to be there or when it's convenient for the time and space to work. There's no guarantee that everything's going to be the same time. You're making up stuff to make sense of the plot hole. I'm still filling it in. You're just disparaging it. That the movie didn't even come up with. How Uh, do you know it didn't come up with? I mean, the, the fact that you're going into this kind of lore... For something so trivial. I mean, does it matter? I mean, for all we know, it just we could easily just they say it looked me. cooler at night with the lasers and everything. I'm sure that's why they did it. But yeah. it still didn't make sense to the plot. There was a, a lot. The writing in this was very, very rushed. That That's... Gotta go fast, man. <laughs> it, it's in the title. <laughs> why does none of this in the script make sense? Well, you told me I gotta go fast. Yes. <laughs> it's... We already like, spent enough time just kind of get the design right, which uh, obviously which paid off. Which they didn't the first time. <laughs> Even stuff like, uh, and that was another thing. A lot of stuff was very, very rushed. Uh, the friendship between Tom and Sonic, like Tom, very, very quickly just accepted. Oh, it's it's a blue hedgehog. All right, I'll drive him down to uh, where he needs to go. He's my new best friend. And but they did like the buddy, like you're not really my friend. And then like a few hours later, okay, you're my best friend. It. <laughs> It's, it's just it. He was friendly to animals to begin with. I mean, but it felt rushed. I, I'm 
Well, I mean, he's not gonna be Sonic's main friend. That's where you know, all the other characters from Mobius yeah. come into play. So, I mean, unless you're really going to create this universe where it's like so you're Sonic telling me and a you human are going to be continuing on for the entire series. So you're saying you went to this film and you saw no flaws within the script, no flaws without with any part of the plot? The thing is, with movies, especially kids' uh-huh. movies, there's always going to be issues. There's always yes. going to be flaws. Does that No, necessar- there's not. There's, there's no. good movies out there that were beautiful and we can still watch to this day. Such as? Uh... My brain is fried. I Ninja Turtles, the original nineteen ninety. There was definitely issues with Ninja Turtles, such as. Well, I mean, for instance, is Leonardo the leader or is Raphael the leader? I can't tell. That's that's the that's your argument. Is who's the leader? The social dynamic of the turtles was completely different from what we got in the cartoon series. So anyone that went to go see the oh, live action bullshit. turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention uh, the whole, uh, you know, him fighting Casey Jones thing. It's like, what? when did we ever see Casey Jones take the mask off in the cartoons? No. Instead, I have to see this guy's face rather than a hockey mask the entire movie. That's not the character I grew up with. So you're not, you're not judging the fact that everything in that movie made sense. You're just judging that things weren't like the cartoon. Hold on, hold on. Uh, how how exactly does the whole pizza thing make sense? That where did Mikey or whichever one it was, what Donnie or Mikey, it was one of the two. Where did they get the money to pay the pizza guy? Them the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles finding money makes more less sense. Enough for than, a pizza than it turning a than, couple of coins. I would have to... on the earth. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Dude, we're talking like New York City where a random uh, $10 bill is just going to go into the sewer and they're going to use that to pay for a pizza that technically the pizza couldn't even deliver on time because there was no address because it was a uh, grating. And yet we're already dealing with like trans-dimensional magic rings. As someone who goes in and out of New York City on a regular basis, I could say there are ways to get money, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I, I don't see Michelangelo standing on a street corner doing like a three-card shuffle trying to grip some people or taking pictures in Times Square being like, here's a giant turtle. And, you know, don't worry about Minnie over there, you know? And that still makes more sense to me <laughs> than shifting the time. Or the fact of... All, what, what, I, I would love to watch this movie again even for the army stuff which just made absolute no sense. But then again, it did take away a little bit at the end where... Uh, I do that, have to feel for uh, Neil uh, McDonough uh, who played the army commander that uh, Robotnik just usurps power from. You get an actor like that and he's just like a nothing thing in the whole movie. Like, that... That kind of hurt me a little bit because I loved what he's done in the Arrowverse, and yet they just go ahead and like throw him into this, like the the clip that they circulate with him and Robotnik going on. That's the entirety of his role in the movie. Yeah, I, I thought he would have a bigger role, and he really did. Well, that or just like get, you know, who would have been perfect for that? Julia White. <laughs> that is true. Get Julia White to be. With all the callbacks they did, I'm surprised they didn't try to get him into the film. Like that that would have been a nice callback somewhere. Well, here's my theory. Alright, so all intents and purposes, movie's good, making money, sequel's definitely on the way. Mm-hmm. I could see Jaleel White voicing one of the other characters of Mobius 
than you know just having him as a human cameo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see him voice Knuckles. Oh, uh, no! I always picture Knuckles with a deeper voice. I know, but considering like we have this kind of Sonic right now, I'd like to see a Knuckles. And, and remember, like, and again, a spoiler, so I do apologize. But you know, in one part of the at the very beginning of the film. The, the people going after Sonic were uh, Enchilas, so... Right. I feel Knuckles Echidnas. is going to be... Echidnas. I, I apologize. I you're you're combining it in Echidna and a Chinchilla. Actually... Which would be so soft, I'm sure, but still. I might be thinking imp- empanadas, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a wild tribe of empanadas wanted to speed. <laughs> but speaking of uh, voice actors, that is the other thing. I, we were talking about Sonic was uh, very likable in this film. Ben Swartz, I think, was very, very good as the voice actor of Sonic in this film. Yeah, he was. Uh, I'd say in comparison to some of the other voice actors that you've gotten from, uh, you know, say Sonic Boom or even the video games. uh, I don't know if it's because of his work on DuckTales, but he pulls off uh, excitable neuroses very well in, in voice form. And it's. I was watching a few interviews with him. It seems like that is a bit him too. So it's like I feel like he was very well cast. Yeah, he's got like a nice little bit of energy to him, as does Jim Carrey as a Robotnik. Regardless of whether or not you say he looks the same, he just ate up the scenery so well, and I was so nice. I was so happy to see a golden age Jim Carrey, uh, even just for this one bit of a movie. Because don't get me wrong, yes, it was cheesy, but it wasn't Mr. Popper's Penguins. And the thing is, Jim Carrey is part of the influence that even got me into acting. All right, when I was uh, in middle school and I saw the trailers for uh, Ace Ventura and The Mask and Dumb and Dumber, 1995 was just a banner year. All right, and he just was shooting it out of the park. And I see these trailers and I like, I want to be like that. I want to entertain to that degree. And being able to see that kind of Jim Carrey come back, especially after all the uh, the painting and stuff and all of his uh, New Age Universal sort of transcendentic sort of thinking, <laughs> uh, the beard, uh, the show Kidding, uh, I'm Dying Up Here. He, he's done a lot of deeper work lately. Mm-hmm. Just to see him back to that form and be able to see that he's still got it. Oh, I love that so much. I feel like a good portion of the movie, and again, I'm not, I'm not going on the attack with the 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 story too much, even though I've I think I've now well established. Yes, 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 yes. But I feel like because of the lack of plot, also it helped uh, Jim Carrey out because I think they just threw Jim Carrey in there, like Jim, just do whatever you want. Like that, well, even there when was you're an talking about interviews, there was an entire yeah. dance scene in there. Like that doesn't seem like something they had for that film. That was probably Jim, like. Well, can I just do this big dancing and I'm going to run from a giant uh, T Rex and do yeah. this and that? Why not? I'm not saying why not. I'm just saying, like, I think they just kind of let Jim. Genius. I think, I think they just let Jim Carrey be Jim Carrey in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you could even see it in interviews. It's like when he would, whenever they would go ahead and try to talk about the, him and um, his role in the movie and talk to him about like what it's about and him being cast and his uh, method. You can tell, like, he doesn't know half the stuff he was doing. He doesn't know anything about the lore. He doesn't know any, much about the video games or any of the television or any of it. So this was this was probably just a cash grab to him. <laughs> Possibly, but you know what? I'd like seeing now, him in a franchise. Now, here's another thing. He is very, well, 
here's he's very well known for not wanting to do sequels, and that's why like two of his first movies, which had huge franchise potential, never really got proper sequels. Except for Ace Ventura, he did do one sequel for that, and then. But it didn't perform as well as the first one, obviously. Even though I think that one's even better than the original, in my Ooh, personal, I like that's that. a debate it, for another day. One, yeah. But do you think he'll like now that he's older and maybe maybe even wants more of the money than the the uh, the accolades because he's been around long enough that he doesn't really need it as much anymore? You think he might just keep coming back for Sonic sequels to for a paycheck? I think so, only because I'm almost certain that maybe Doctor Robotnik won't be as centrally themed in the next movie. As he originally was in this, only because obviously now you're bringing in other other elements from the franchise, other characters from the franchise. They're going to need more screen time, so that means less screen time probably from Robotnik. He'll be in there. His revenge will be swift and merciful, but <laughs> uh, I don't see him taking up as much screen. So if that means it's going to be a decent amount of money still for less time, I can't imagine Jim not doing it. My, my concern would be whether or not you get any of the regular, uh, you know, actors, uh, whether or not James Marsden will come back, which I think he should. I, I can be happy without that. Uh, Tika Sumter, maybe not so much. I don't know if she's going to be back in. Um, the, the humans in this movie, I'd be happy if they didn't return. I, 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 I like James Marsden. I like Tom. Uh, that, it, uh, it, 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 it was a comforting sort of feel plus let's face it if there's if he's going to be living with them and then he gets like sent back to mobius for whatever reason you know tom's going to mobius no i don't yeah oh yeah he is and tom don't need to go to mobius tom Tom needs to go to mobius (laughs) no he don't yes he does (laughs) he does he he needs to to be around all the animals now i want want to look at rouge the bat and be like i shouldn't be seeing this no, he needs to stick in. <laughs> I'm a married man. He needs no. to stay in Green Hills and be Donut Guy. But Donut Lord. Donut Lord. Lord. Get it right. So here, here's the here's the thing, and I didn't know why they were doing this stupid joke, and I wasn't thinking about it until like the very end. But the fact that they were going into. By the way, why does the stopwatch only say like three or four minutes? Because I forgot to start it. <laughs> so how long have we been talking about Sonic? I don't know. I'll add on ten minutes. We get fourteen minutes. There. Okay, fine. So. Uh, so they do Donut Lord and Pretzel Girl, and it was kind of a throwaway joke all the way until near the end, where basically Sonic's gimmick in this is he compares people to food at times. Mm-hmm. So then he's uh, arguing with Dr. Robotnik, who has a whole bunch of robots that look like eggs. He's like, like Eggman, yeah. So what are you doing, Eggman? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's... Uh, it's not the most clever thing in the world, but I, I got a chuckle out of that. But uh, that's the thing, though. I mean, considering the look of Robotnik, how else are you really going to go ahead and get that nickname in there if he, he's not going to be rotund? Yeah, it's Jim Carrey. He's, unless he wears a fat suit, he's never going to be that big. Yeah, which will be interesting to see how he shows up in the sequels and whether or not they will go uh, full bloated. You know, maybe he's eaten a too many mushrooms on the mushroom planet and he kind of balloons up. You know? well, well, you know, the funny thing about it is he was based off uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who he himself was always pretty fit. So it was kind of funny. Well, he, he was stocky. You know, he, stocky. He, he had some girth to him, definitely bigger than, uh, um, you know, the other Roosevelt who was in the wheelchair the whole time. Y- yes. Franklin. <laughs> maybe, yes. Maybe for reasons. FDR. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, uh, reasons aside. But yeah, I, I, I'm go- it's going to be interesting to see what characters they bring in, how they advance the characters they have now. I was, it was nice just seeing Sonic with the red shoes, which you know 
I'm, I'm not sure if they were Nikes or Reeboks, but you know those are getting sold at some point. Kids are going to be getting that. Uh, Steve, I actually, now I'm regretting not bringing Steve onto the podcast day because even Steve, say, right after he got the shoes, Steve leaned over to me and goes, He's got the shoes? No, 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 no. he doesn't. But he leaned over to me and went, I'd buy those. Yeah. No, that, that that's that should be marketing 101. It's like that you show, introduce them in the movie, you introduce them to the kids. Yes. And so maybe in the near future, that's the thing too. It's like how many of the people who went to go see this movie were fans of the series since it debuted, like Sonic the Hedgehog, and how many were actually kids who were like, ooh, Sonic. That 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 would be curious I'd, I'd to find say out. It's a probably bit. like a fifty-fifty because I would imagine any any adult that's like a fan of Sonic and has a kid is going to introduce him to the franchise and then mm-hmm. show him the games because that's the thing. That's the beauty of Sonic. Sonic, just like Super Mario, uh, has had this lineage from like generation to generation with games constantly be putting out. Maybe some questionable uh, quality, but <laughs> he has been a lifelong franchise character for many a people. You know, you necessarily can't then maybe say the same about like uh, Spyro or Crash Bandicoot or any of those. But as far as a flagship character, it's like uh, Nintendo has Mario and Link, um, Sega has Sonic, uh, Xbox has, I guess, Halo Ma- guy. Master Chief. Uh, PlayStation has Crash, but even PlayStation is well, still a no, newer no, no. thing than Crash, Sega and Nintendo. Crash was their mascot, I think, at the beginning. I don't know if they really have a true mascot anymore. Maybe Spyro might even be considered more, but... No, I mean, I, at I this th- point, Kratos is probably more of a mascot <laughs> than uh, either of them. I think Sony has never really relied on a mascot like Nintendo or any of the other. I think we feel like, oh, it's a video game company. We have to associate a character with them. PlayStation tried that at the beginning. And I think then they realized, oh, we don't. Need well, to do Xbox this. did too. And the thing is, they are franchises. They are brands beyond gaming. You know, Microsoft was a thing before the Xbox. Sony was a thing before PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So they really don't need it because they have the name. Technically, Nintendo's older than both of them. <laughs> yes, true. And all the more reason you needed a, a, a figurehead, maybe to like drive what it is. Well. I won't get into it. I want Spe- to speak, I want speaking to- of figureheads, uh, we should probably transition to something, and that's probably the other movie review that I'd also want to touch on: Fantasy Island. Uh, I should mention Bloomhouse's Fantasy Island, as it is even said so on the ticket, because hmm. this is a Bloomhouse film, and of course, Bloomhouse has been doing a great uh, many things in the horror genre. I actually I don't know much about Bloomhouse, so could you? Uh, well, Bloomhouse uh, basically they're the ones that are like behind uh, the Conjuring series, and uh, um, well, really, practically any successful horror movie you see nowadays is being done by Bloomhouse. They do it for cheap and they do it well. So aside from maybe Halloween. Any successful horror movie in like the past five to seven years has been a Bloomhouse production. They've even gone into television where they have the uh, did they do the, it? Hmm? Did, you, did they do it? Because you you're saying just about every film. Uh, well, no, it is Warner Brothers. Okay, so that even then, eh, I'm not going to nitpick. I just, I just, I just. I mean, if we're talking successful franchise, obviously you've got the difference between the the first movie and the second movie, mm-hmm. but. Um, <laughs> uh, not not to um, you know nitpick. Anyway, I've, but yeah, they they've even gotten into television. They have a series called Into the Dark on Hulu, where it's pretty much like a, a movie a month, and the movie is somewhat centered around the themes of like that month. So like, there's a, a New Year's uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day movie. There's a Valentine's movie. There's a Christmas movie. There's a Halloween movie. They do that all year round, month to month. 
and um, and they're just in their second season now. So well, just um, it's it's one of those things where it's like they're the new people of horror. And so this is actually, I think, the first time that they've gone ahead and done a movie based off of an existing franchise, being Fantasy Island, the television series, uh, twice done, once uh, starring Ricardo Montalban as uh, Mr. Rourke Mm -hmm. with his uh, little companion tattoo who always went ahead and yelled out, the blade, the blade, (laughs) you know, not trying to be racist or anything. Uh, And of course, uh, in the early 2000s, they revamped this show and tried to bring it back on ABC, this time uh, starring... um, Malcolm McDowell as Mr. Rourke. And that one had a little bit more of like a, a darker, fiendish undertone, but it was still it's like it, it was, in the it same was still realm. not horror. I think this this is the first Th- this is like ho- more hardcore of what you're getting in that realm. So uh, pretty much you have people, they arrive at Fantasy Island. It plays out almost like a regular episode of any either of the series. So you have like the the you know Mr. Rourke getting all suited up, you've got all the attendants getting ready, you got the island, you got the plane coming down. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, someone saying, Mr. Rourke, the plane, you know, it's all just like real cute in that sense. And you have these individuals, they come to the island, they want to live out their fantasies and they get to do that. And the thing about Fantasy Island was like, you get to play out the fantasy, but based upon who you are and based upon what you really need and what you... Uh, should have as opposed to what you want. That always kind of played into the episodes. People would go ahead and they'd have these fantasies and they'd learn something about themselves or they'd realize what it is they really want uh, in out of life as opposed to the fantasy they're experiencing. And you always had to live it out to its end. So it's like you couldn't stop it, you couldn't change it, you just had to live it out and you learned your lesson. You know, and, and back in like the 70s when it first premiered, it was like a wholesome sort of thing, sure. Uh, the 2000s kind of made it a little bit darker, but still you learned the same lessons. Here, ooh man, they they go uh, they go south. They they go in the other direction, and it there are so many twists and turns in this movie that the minute the big twist really hits you, like almost with like a half hour left, it's like, oh shit! Like I wasn't sure if they were really going to go this far with it. It's interesting because you're taking an established franchise and. Uh, not to give too much spoilers, but this almost does play into, like, an, an origin story in itself. Because you see how, after this movie, it almost becomes, like, the television series. So, this, even the movie has a bit of a happy ending, and everyone's fantasy, um, lives out to its natural end. How it should go down, even if it's not what everyone wants, or what everyone needs, and... I really think that considering th- there were so many ways that this movie could have gone wrong, and I understand that some critics are maybe not happy with it because it went in so many different directions. Well, let, let me uh, jump in there because you're talking about the critics. Now, I, I didn't see the film, but I took a, a quick peek on Rotten Tomato, and it's actually it's got an eleven percent rating from the critics. Yeah, that's I, that's pretty. That's worse than most films. I can understand that. I can, because it almost probably feels like a bait-and-switched in some regards. You know, you, you get this idea, you're getting this uh, revamped version of something that's familiar, and yes, they're taking a darker, more melodious tone with it, but the thing is, they don't really take that turn until pretty late in the movie. Yes, there's little hints here and there, but well, the otherwise trailer. it's working out just like a regular episode. Well, the, didn't the trailers kind of that it was going to be a horror based because it, it was going to be darker i don't know if necessarily horror because really the only thing that you could say was like horror oriented in that trailer is the uh, scene with lucy hale 
uh, from uh, Pretty Little Liars fame. And her going into that room and, like, the the girls being tortured and she realizes it's not a hologram. You know, mm-hmm. that that's pretty much the crux of that trailer being in the dark sense. Where they go is so much more beyond that. Like, it's it's almost like amazeballs how they interweave everything. And mind you, you talk about plot holes. Whew, there are some plot holes. But it's an entertaining journey, if only for the twist to come that late. Because, yes, if you're not familiar with Fantasy Island and if you're not familiar with the television shows, the way the majority of the film plays out is, like I said, it's like a regular episode. So you're almost wondering, it's like, when's the twist really coming in? When, when When's the dark stuff happening? I'm only getting, like, little bits and pieces, and it's not connecting. It's not all jumbling together. But the way they tie it together in, like, that last half hour, well, I enjoyed the twist. Now, yes, is it cheesy? Absolutely. Is it uh, corny writing? Sure. Are the characters a little bit... Um, Hard to believe, not as realistic or fleshed out. Maybe so. But it's a horror movie based off Fantasy Island. Again, there's a certain amount of disbelief that you just have to go ahead and take out of the equation in order to enjoy something like that. And so I would say if you're going on maybe like a date night sort of thing, it's a perfect date night movie in my sense. You know, it's something that you're going to go ahead, you go with the girl or guy and you just... You watch the movie, the the scares probably get you, the oh shit moments happen, and that's pretty much it. You'll be making out for like half the movie anyway, so I mean, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, now, would I like to see more of it? No. No, I don't think it's a movie that deserves a sequel. But it's certainly a movie that could at least deserve a watch. And again, you're getting what you're paying for in that sense. Speaking of movies, uh, speaking of bad movies... The Razzies, which were announced last weekend, but we didn't get into it because we were, you know, had focused on the Oscars and we had other mm-hmm. things to talk that day. But uh, right the day before the Oscars went on air, the Razzies were announced, which is a little bit of a departure because they normally try to do the whole Razzie ceremony right before the Oscars, right at the same time. Mm-hmm. But now the nominations have only been announced and they're actually going to televise the 40th annual Razzie Awards on television that that's something they've never actually done the golden raspberry awards will be televised this year now, for the first time now were were the did the razzies already happen though because i thought they were always the same night as the oscars not always the same night but usually like the night before i thought but yeah normally they would happen within the same weekend so it's weird and different that they've gone ahead and done just the nominations at the same time as the oscar awards themselves Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably because of the televising, because obviously you're not going to want to do the televised Razzies right before the televised Oscars. That's true. Well, and here's the thing. I didn't know it was televised. And then after you mentioned to me, I tried finding it. I can't find what channel it's going to be on. What? It may be one of those things that's simply televised <laughs> in California. It's question Quotation marks. Televised. Yeah, it might be one of those <laughs> things that's like only televised in Hollywood. So you can probably watch it online when it comes on, but as far as actually turning on your television and going through the cable. So it's probably going to be like a live stream on YouTube or Twitch or something like that. Well, I mean, I think they're doing it through their own website. So oh, if so you go to the, yeah. But, I mean, regardless, it's, it's still an interesting fact that they're going that far into it, that they're actually making it a big thing for the 40th anniversary of these things. Like, it's older than we are. And they've been doing it all this time, <laughs> and that this is the first time that 
more of the public is going to be able to experience it. I guess this would be a thing that would fit in more with the public these days. But, you know, the only problem is it, there wasn't as many bad movies this year as there has been in... Oh, but they year. have the nominations, certainly enough. I know. <laughs> yeah, it, the thing is, I think some on. of these movies, um, they didn't become as mainstream. Um, uh, like The Fanatic, uh, the John Travolta one. Uh, I don't think many people would have uh, been able to see that in theaters. Uh, same with Trading Paints, same with Zeroville. You know, some of these movies that were probably just, um, you know, independently shown on their own little end or shown via streaming. But that, that's a funny t- thing, too, because usually when they put these movies out there, it's usually, like, big movies that just did really poorly, and now they're doing independent films that no one's ever heard of. Right, but as long as, like, there's a big enough name actor to it, I guess it's, uh, you know, enough cannon fodder. Because, I mean, when you look at the movies and you see who's actually <laughs> in them, it's like... How come I didn't hear about this? It was so bad that you wouldn't have seen it in theaters. I'm still waiting for you to announce the nominees because I really want to comment on a few okay. of the nominees. Well, okay. Well, let's start with the big ones, obviously. So, Worst Picture. Yes. And mind you, I should mention that as far as the nominations are concerned, uh, Cats is leading with, I think, at least oh, yeah. nine nominations now, overall. Now, now I, the funny thing to me about Cats is the fact that at one point that uh, the studio that made Cats thought it was going to be nominated for Best Picture and a whole bunch of Oscars. Well, yeah, because it was, it was, God, a, it it was the their prestige musical direction. of the year. It was That was the setup. It was going to be like Greatest Showman. It was going to be like Mary Poppins. It was going to be the landmark musical. And it went the total opposite direction. It's like, how can you have such a major failure it, it, I think proportion? The, you know who I think hurts the most? Not even so much Tom Hooper, who is uh, an accredited great director and just happened to be a part of this. I think it hurts Taylor Swift more because she went ahead and wrote a completely original song, which is a decent song for the movie. I really liked it. And it couldn't get nominated. All the nominations <laughs> got set. They decided not to promote it for the Oscars in any way, shape, or form. And here's Taylor Swift, of all people, not getting an Oscar nod. I'm like, dude. Do you, do you think she'll try again, or do you think this will turn her off to trying to... Go to the, the movie route. I mean, it's certainly going to depend on the project now. I mean, obviously she was more invested because she was in the movie herself. But, you know, I'd say maybe it might be better if she just sticks to the soundtrack rather than the acting. And that's not saying anything about her acting, per se. But, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sure there were quite a few you know, furries that just went to go see the film because you had uh, Taylor Swift-suited uh, cat girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sprinkling her catnip over everybody, like, laying on that moon. It's like, we all know what you're thinking. But that's another thing. They had a lot of big-name actors in that, Oh, too. yeah, no, and we'll, we'll get to those uh, in regards to the nominations. So, leading the worst picture noms, we have Cats, The Fanatic that I mentioned, uh, The Haunting of Sharon Tate, uh, Rambo, Last Blood, and A Medea Family Funeral, which is supposed to be the final Medea film, so... You know, <laughs> fingers crossed that it wins because, you know, it goes out on top. Uh, will, t- will Tyler Perry come to collect his award in person? Oh, I doubt it. No, no. Hell no. Uh, worst actor, we have uh, David Harbour as Hellboy. Uh, oh, Sylvester Stallone from uh, Rambo Last Blood. John Travolta in both The Fanatic and Trading Paint. He's uh, doubly reason to be nominated. Uh, Matthew McConaughey for Serenity, which if you haven't seen that, that's a weird semi-game-oriented movie, too. And then James Franco for Zeroville, uh, which, again, was one of those movies that was just so bad you didn't see it. 
uh, Worst Actress, Anne Hathaway for Serenity as well, and The Hustle. Uh, Francesca Hayward for Cats, which I hate that this one was nominated because I think she was the best part of the whole movie, <laughs> to be quite honest. You know, brand new actress, more known for her dancing, great ballet dancer. And she had just an, an innocence to her. I really liked that she was the, the person we were seeing everything through. I have a feeling that when they do nominate these people, they don't always nominate them for being so awful. It's just they happen to be in a really awful film. Like, yeah, I yeah, know. They, you I mean, technically, a, she so was the lead of the movie. Like, uh, like the problem with Hellboy, David Harbour, uh, I, I didn't see the movie, so I don't know how bad it really was. It wasn't but, that great. But my understanding was probably it wasn't his fault. Is it Like, he really put a lot of effort in that, including, like, bulking up. I feel it was probably the more the direction of the film because that was the biggest problem I heard with it was uh, the director and the producer were consistently butting heads. Well, when you compare it to the first two with Ron Perlman, it's certainly a difference. Yeah, but then... A stark that, difference. In that film, you had a director with a set vision and no one was arguing against him. Plus, Ron Perlman was... He just fit that role very, very well. Yeah, and obviously a lot of people wanted to see him back and they got that instead. Uh, Tyler Perry obviously nominated for Medea Family Funeral, mind you, as worst actress. <laughs> so for Medea, uh, Rebel Wilson nominated for The Hustle, and Hilary Duff for The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Which I I can kind of see where they might be having an issue with that because you have like a Sharon Tate movie come out in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then you have like this pseudo horror movie within like the same time and genre and it's just not going to compare very well when you have a film that totally changes the ending of what happened to sharon tate and the one that's uh more in line with what actually happened is considered the worst movie yeah <laughs> well okay so worst director uh, adrian grumberg for rainbow less blood neil marshall for hellboy uh james franco for zeroville which again uh, since is, that, it, is that Rambo's First Blood's only nomination? I thought no, I Rambo Last people. Blood. Uh, no, Last he Blood. has no had other nominations because Sylvester Stallone was nominated, and I think oh Rambo he was no. I didn't hear you say yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Tom Hooper obviously for Cats. Fred Durst for The Fanatic. He directed The Fanatic. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> no. Exactly. Uh, worst uh, prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel. We have uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which I didn't think was so bad, but I guess compared to the first one, it uh, sank a little. Um, I, no, well, no, no. Uh, I actually liked King of the Monsters a lot more than I liked uh, the original. The, right, the but I think it's one. a matter of, like, uh, do you want, like, the cheesy monster stuff? Yes. Yeah. So, what? Uh, I want to argue this now. I, I, I'm sure you do, but I, let's save that for when uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong comes out. All right, all right. Uh, Hellboy, uh, Rainbow Less Blood, Medea Family Funeral, and Dark Phoenix, which, oh, yeah, yeah, which is uh, <laughs> kind of surprising that you didn't get more nominations off that one, but uh, it only got worse to remake sequel sort of stuff. Uh, worst Supporting Actor, James Corden for Cats as Bustopher Jones, uh, Seth Rogen for Zeroville, Tyler Perry again for Medea Family Funeral because he plays everybody, and <laughs> Bruce Willis for Glass. Really? Yes. Which I, that and, one and I find surprising. I I, th I heard someone else talk about that too, saying like that uh, they didn't feel he deserved it for that because he actually did try to put a, a, a good amount of effort into that. But role. I think considering it was like Sam Jackson's character's movie, and then you have um, 
the beast and uh, all of the different characterization that goes along with being uh, part of the horde there. Um, Bruce Willis is um, what, what? What was the the nickname they were giving his character? The uh, the uh, Overwatcher actually, or whatever it was. I didn't actually see Glass. I, I've been meaning to see it, but I heard it got bad reviews. Okay, okay. Look, all right. So just sidetrack here for a second. Yes. How is it we are always talking about movies and you've never watched any of the movies? Because someone says that movie's awful. I went, okay, thank you for letting me avoid that. Because <sighs> I liked the trailer, and then when the reviews came out, I'm like, I'm busy. <laughs> I, I have, in the last month, seen more movies in theaters than I have in quite a number of years, just so I could talk about them on this podcast. But if I if I don't have a reason to go see these movies, I will not go out of my way to watch these movies. Oh mercy! All right, I, except for Godzilla, King of Monsters, because that one was good. Yes, right. <laughs> well, that and Men in Black International. Yeah, which you surprisingly how often you defend movies with bad storylines, and you hated that one because it was boring. I liked it. I, I, I mean, like the I, chemistry there the, between... Uh, right, the scripting of like point A to point B to point C could be done in many different ways and can be made exciting. Men in Black International was just dull. All right, I knew Liam Neeson was an issue from the minute they opened up with him. I, don't, I wasn't bored by that film. I was falling asleep. Mm. I guess we just have different tastes. Yeah, because I don't want to see pretty people try to be funny. I want to see people actually being funny. I thought they were funny. They weren't that funny. They were funnier in Ragnarok. All right, moving on. The Redeemer Award. Now, this is the award that they go ahead and give to people who have actually excelled in the past year from stuff that they had done previously in their careers. Mm -hmm. So Keanu Reeves gets a Redeemer <laughs> nomination for his work in Toy Story 4 and John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Am Sandler for Uncut Gems. Eddie Murphy for Dolomite Is My Name, which I loved that movie. That was a fun movie. I, I, I got through half of that one. Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers. And Will Smith for Aladdin. So wait, wait, wait. So all these nominations for Worst Actress for Hustlers and one person got a Redeemer for it? No, 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 no. Hustlers is a different movie than oh. The Hustle. Oh, okay. Yeah, Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson's movie, The Hustle, was what came out back in May, and it was their female version of Dirty Rotten Scandals. Hustlers is the Jennifer Lopez Constance Wu movie that's about the strippers that would roll ahead and rob from the Wall Street guys. Oh, okay, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. My, my boy Rob Statz is actually a stuntman in that movie. He plays the, the naked dead body. So, <laughs> good for you, Rob, man. Good job. Hey, hey, hey. For, for body stunt work, Rob Stats is one of the best out there. I'm just putting that in the, in the vapors. Uh, we're supporting actress. Jessica Chastain for Dark Phoenix, which I find surprising that she gets a nomination, but none, like, um, none of the main actors for that movie got nominated, but the supporting does. So I find that interesting. Uh, Vanessa Pineda for Rambo Last Blood, who I think played uh, Rambo's daughter. Uh, Rebel Wilson for Cats, so she's nominated for Worst Actress <laughs> and Worst Supporting Actress. Um, Cassie Davis for Medea Family Funeral, no idea who that is. And Judy Dench for Cats. So hopefully Cats gets the Worst Supporting Actress. Um, let's see. Someone tells me Judy Dench put so much effort into that, and uh, I, 
Do you think she was worse, or do you think like they just nominate her because like she's a popular name and she wins Oscars, and we're gonna put her? To be her honest, hair? Judy Dench was really weird in that movie. Like alone, alone for like the but did, little but thing did she at the put end. Effort but. into her weirdness. Uh, not as much as the others did. Okay. I, I I think that when you compare the actors in Cats, like you compare your Jason Derulo and your um uh. You're Francesca Hayward, you're, you're Bustopher Jones, you know. They really got into the character. Judy Dench just kind of, like, smiled and moved around. And seeing her, like, lift her leg all the way up in the air so, her, like, she's completely f- spread eagle. It's just... Ah! And then, and then the little musical number that she does at the end when they're on the statue and how she's talking directly to the audience just because they do it in the Broadway musical version... You don't talk directly to the audience if there's no other reason to be talking to the audience at that point. So would you say, uh, okay, you know, uh, is that all the nominations? Because um, I feel at this point we're, we're just worst, a podcast. Worst screenplay, worst, well, worst screen combo. Do, do we care about the other nominations? What were the other nominations? Are they worth the talking about? Uh, worst reckless disregard for human life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. That, that, is, that sounds worth talking about. What is that one? Uh... That's a good question. Um, Did they actually put an award in here? Like, we want to point out the people who who almost killed other people on a movie set. I'm not sure if that's necessarily for what it is. Let me just double check here. Uh, what exactly is the full title of it? Uh, worst Reckless Disregard for Human Life and Public Property. So I guess oh. just the movies with the scenes that just had egregious death or egregious destruction in it. Uh, so you had yeah. Dragged Across Concrete, which I think was the, the Mel Gibson movie that came out this past year. Okay. The Haunting of Sharon Tate, Hellboy, Joker, and Rambo Last Blood, which I think this is the only one where Joker, uh, the Academy <laughs> Award winning film, is nominated in anything. Yes. And it, it makes sense. Uh, although I do also want to mention Worst Screen Combo. So you've got... Any two half-feline, half-human hairballs in Cats. <laughs> Jason Derulo and his CGI-neutered bulge in Cats. Okay. Yeah, because they focus a good amount on it. Um, Tyler Perry and Tyler Perry, or Tyler Perry, in Medea of a Family Funeral. Okay. Uh, Sylvester Stallone and his impotent rage. Rambo Last Blood. <sighs> and... John Travolta and any screenplay he accepts. <laughs> it's just so brutal. Wow. That it's yeah, that one is like they didn't even take that one seriously. No, they didn't. At all. No, and that's that's part of the fun of it. I mean, if you're gonna have best John sound Travolta editing and best and sound whatever mixing, script he accepts. Yes. I'm I'm surprised they don't do worse songs for some of these because uh, I'd like to think like this track can't be good either. But they don't do the music stuff. There are some movies with some pretty banger soundtracks. Like, awful movies, but I'll still listen to the, the music. Maybe that's why, there. because maybe music's always a redeeming quality in that sense. Maybe. Speaking of music, um, another little piece of information that came out this past week. Uh, the so, wait, are we already we were moving on? That was it for the Razzies? We were just yeah, because you wanted to move on, so I wanted no, to move No, no, no. I wanted us to stop talking about that because we were just listing out uh, information that was already to the public. I thought we were going to discuss it. That didn't, did, what, what, oh. what did you want to talk about with the Razzies? No, just that, the, that this it. is what the Razzies were, man, because the, the thing is the Razzies <laughs> don't get as much press 
as say the Golden Globes or the Academy Awards or any of the other big awards things during the awards season. The Razzies are always kind of like swept under the rug, and I, for obvious reasons, because it's talking about the worst of what came out this past year as opposed to the best that came out this yes. past year. And yet... I think that if you're going to go ahead and televise an awards show or you televise that kind of an event, the Razzies is the think, one you do. I think you also just pointed out that they're not actually televising it. They're live streaming it on their website. But the point is that is the one that I think you should feed to the public. Because let's face it, the award season, awards and shows in general have really dipped in quality. Even this past Oscars was the lowest it had been rated in like so many years. And that's just because, for various reasons, but I think just the appeal of something like an award show for movies and stuff like that, there's not enough there anymore to really gravitate people to want to watch. And whether it's because of the internet or because of the quality or because of any controversies that come up with hosting and stuff like that, whatever have you. When does this air again? Uh, When does it air? Hold on. I just, you know, it's like I thought this was a discussion about something specific on this, and well, no, uh, I just thought it was interesting since we were talking about the Oscars in our first comeback episode that we should also go to the other end of the spectrum. And sure is the other end of the spectrum, even from presentation. Uh, All right, I, you know what? Yeah, I think I'm done with the Razzies. Sure. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Uh, as I was saying, getting into the music. Well, actually, no. If we're going to just end with Razzies in general, we should end with one of our uh, Razzie nominees, uh, David Harbour, and his little cameo in a certain sneak peek trailer for Stranger Things Season 4, the potential final season of the show. Yes. And it pretty much just shows us what we all kind of expected from the ending of Season 3, that Hopper is alive. He may be in Russia, but he's alive. So I have to go back and ask, what was the entire point? Why were you going to go like, oh, we don't know what happened. We think he's dead. And then just ruin it probably a year before they're actually going to put out the new season. Like, what was the point? Well, I think the point is to get the rumor mill going about how he could live. You know, because let's face it, Stranger Things has always incorporated a lot of different science fiction and horror aspects. So there's a lot of different ways that he could have survived, or it could not even be him. So, and actually, if you th- to ask you, do you think this is how they should have ended last season? Like the what they had was a demigod in, uh, like trying uh, eating someone. Right, but the but thing is, before they have, that, should they, they have said, cut that off, and should they have just ended simply? With them going to Russia, and then it kind of goes to this whole entire teaser. Should that have been the ending? No, of season? no, because I, I think um, the ending that they gave made sense. Because here you are, in it Russia. made sense. But do you think the this teaser would have been a better ending? No, because I think this teaser would have gone ahead and just like uh, you know put too much out there already. Because I think the idea of them going through the jail cells and saying you know you know don't bother with the American. I think that was tease enough to get people thinking, oh, it could be Hopper, or it could just be someone else. But the fact that you have this America stowed away in this jail cell where apparently they also have access to Demogorgons. So would that been enough to uh, start the rumor mail? Did you really need to full-out spoil that he lived? I'm, I'm pretty sure we all knew he lived, but did but you did really we... need to ruin it like halfway till the, the show is coming back out? No, because, I mean, if you're going to go ahead and you're going to tease something, you don't necessarily want to tease something that's going to be a complete surprise to everybody. 
you know, because you want to save that for the show. If anything, you tease them with what they already know. You give them the confidence of like, oh, wow, I was smart enough to get it. And then we go into, okay, what's the majority of the season going to be? That's when the first official trailer will come out. This was simply just giving people a taste. And mind you, I already got my theory about how he lived. I do believe it is Hopper. Yeah. And I'm thinking he never died. Yeah. He was teleported. No. Yeah. There was a ladder. You you have to rewatch the last episode, but where he was, there was a ladder. And later in But another, how does he get to Russia so quick? Because there were Russians there and they kidnapped him as they were going out. But to get from Hawkins to Russia. Russia. Yeah. That quickly. Ru- Russia because time passed. No, I'm saying I'm not thinking it's a time passage sort of thing. I don't think So you're telling me you're going to complain about it being nighttime within moments in Sonic the Hedgehog. Because Are, that is more than not been established. Time, yes. Russians yes. escaping to Russia over a month month's period is makes less sense. Yes. You are no. full of it. No, because no. <laughs> you no, are so full hear of me, it. Hear me out, hear me out. Here's my theory, here's my theory. We know that the, the machine was destroyed at the end of season three, yes? Yes. Right. How do we know that was the only machine? We don't. Exactly. My theory is that, now I may be completely wrong geographically, but I would want to think that maybe it's kind of like a North and South Pole thing that from Hawkins all the way to the other side of the world and some part of the USSR, because mind you, this is back in the 80s and Russia and the USSR was a much bigger established area than what it is now. I think there's another machine on the other end of the planet in the USSR and that in a sense they were using it as a teleportation device to have Russia invade America during the end of its Cold War era. Mm -hmm. And the way you work it is that it's kind of like if you're ever in a hotel room and you have a hotel room right next to yours and then you have like that door that kind of separates the two and sometimes it's like they have a door and you have a door and there's like a little space in between. Yes. The Hawkins is one door. Russia has the other. The in-between is the upside down. So you almost need both things to be activating in order to get through. So this way, instead of just being caught in the upside down, you'd be almost passing through it to the other side. It's like you're tapping into this dimension, almost like creating an event horizon. Okay, let's say this is what happened. What? Where are you getting with... What's your point here with... Uh, I think in the blast, he was pushed through the upside down to the other side in Russia, which is why they also have Demogorgons just sitting there in the jail cells too. I think he is transported there. He is captured like many of those other people that probably got captured. And in order for it to work, both sides had to be operational, which is why some people would be getting um, killed in some sense and others may not. Because if you got one door closed and one door open, then you're just smacking into the door. I, all right. So that's your theory. My my theory is going to be that uh, he he was on the other side, and before they exploded, 
he saw the ladder and he escaped, but just before he got back to everyone else, the Russians who were escaping from the facility at the same time caught him and brought him to Russia with them. That is my theory. So you're saying it all still stays within the same facility where the explosion happened? Yes. I, I feel like he didn't he stayed in the same facility, but he got captured and he brought was brought back to Russia as a prisoner. Okay. My only qualm with this is how many people are still left in the facility after everything was almost being evacuated and there was the big explosion? Well, in the same sense, when they established that when you go in the upside down, you're going into a mirror universe, how does that instantly push you to the other side of the planet? Depends on where the other opening is. Like I said, anytime we've seen people going into it, we've only been they seeing them go a like a one-way sort of way. They go in one way, and it's a mirror universe. Right. It gets To get to all the way fully to the other side, you would have to go through that full mirror universe. Well, we don't know when there's ever been like another entrance way. Everyone that's always come in has probably gone out the same way. Well, in season three, that was a new entrance way, was that not? Or no, no, no. It was... They were in the they were in the old facility. Yeah, okay. so they were in the same area. They just like reopened an old wound in a sense. Uh, I I think I think you're stretching it. I don't. Well, I, we've I don't had we've had heavy. kind of like almost a teleportation sense of it already in like previous seasons. We've seen the openings at the school. We've seen uh, the yeah, locker. But again, it's been a mirror universe where when it does open up in the other area it matches to where it is in the mirror universe. So right. they walk all the way through it to the school in the mirror universe. But everything and is so much more condensed And when they get to an opening in, in the mirror too. universe, they now enter into the main uh, plane. Right. But everything's all just Hawkins. So how do we know that if the other side wasn't opened up as well, that there isn't just like instantly Russia on the other side of Hawkins? And daytime to nighttime can happen in moments. Why, why are you so fixated on time? I, I don't get that. Why, why do you think this thing that was already established is going to now change? No, but you're, <laughs> you're just so about the time aspect of it. No, because I, I'm getting on to that because it's like you, you, you fought on how that worked, but now you're saying because like, well, this it's a matter of what here, rules are established and what way. It's a matter of establishing rules in the universe. I think they already, and as I'll explain to you, they did establish rules in the universe. They established that when you go in there, it is a mirror universe of our universe. Right. So, so what but you're saying is like, oh, there, there's going to be this speed through to get from one portal to the other. Well, even though there's an entire by universe an explosion. Who in knows? between. The explosion is really the catalyst of that. So it's an explosion that sends you halfway across the world? <laughs> if you're going through the the mirror universe, this little space in between areas, possibly. All right, it's going to be a year before we sell this, but yes. I'm pretty confident <laughs> that's not it. All right, all right. Well, speaking of time, let's get on to that part, too. We might as well. All right. So what, what's, the, what's the next topic here? All right, so time... The, Leading into that, using as uh, the segue. The, you know I'm splitting these up on YouTube. Just, oh, yeah, I know, just, absolutely. Just put, yes. This just is just the live stream, right sure. I know it's going to be split up. But um, I don't know how much of a Bond fan you are, if you've ever watched any of the movies. I, I'm so-so. Well, and considering how much we've established that you don't watch movies, I don't know how many of those <laughs> movies you've seen. But uh, earlier uh, in the year, it was announced that uh, Billie Eilish... Mm-hmm. would be going ahead and doing uh, the theme song for Bond 25, which is known as No Time to Die, the 25th movie in the franchise, and 
also uh, retroactively the final film of Daniel Craig's James Bond. Until they offer him more money. Uh, yeah, until he decides, oh, right, fine, I'll do one more. Just write the check. But um, And the song came out this week, entitled No Time to Die, much in the same respect that usually the theme song is the title of the movie. And people have had mixed reactions about it. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily because people don't like Billie Eilish's sound. Uh, I personally don't find a problem with it. In fact, I found the song to be very um, sentimental. You know, it had a very Goldfinger, uh, Skyfall sort of feel to it. Very slow, very melodious. Had a lot of the key sounds that go along with like a, a franchise movie like the, the 007 franchise does. With the da 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 and like stuff like that, you know, it, it really got me like feeling like this was going to be like a really good Bond movie, which of course we didn't necessarily have with Spectre, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of like how these movies have always gone. If you actually look at the franchise, there's always been like a good movie, then a bad movie, then a good movie, then a bad movie, then a good movie, and then a bad movie, which is why I think uh, they wanted to stick with the Skyfall idea that Adele gave because. Uh, you know, Spectre and Sam Smith's song, and it's like, meh. Just meh. The only good thing about Spectre was Dave Bautista in it. But the fact that this is also, this series of movies actually has had, like, a flowing narrative where you have characters returning, uh, storylines being integrated from them one to the other. This has been, like, the first real Bond series to really have that since, like, the... the Yeah, it's an actual series. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, like... I mean, I, it's been so long since I've seen Casino Royale, but I guess it's like even started from there, although people would say it started with Quantum of Solace. But yeah, this whole Daniel Craig series of movies has really just been like one nicely flowing narrative. And I really think that the song goes ahead and gives a almost a, a bittersweet feel to it. You know, like we know this is going to be the end of this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically James Bond isn't even 007 in the movie because he retired. Yeah, I I, I heard about that. Yeah, and uh, obviously it's going to be fun to see how things finish up. Do do they kill him off? Does he ride off into sunset? How many women does he shag? You know, all all these tropes that are just going to be finally round up with this thing. And uh, I'm really, this is the first time I could say I'm interested for a James Bond movie. And I know that may sound weird to say, but you got to think about it. James Bond is one of those franchises that has had such a great lifespan, and yet, it's not Harry Potter, it's not Marvel, it's not Star Wars, it's not one of those franchises that people really think about until the movie, it shows up. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. How many people do you know have conversations about James Bond, or have conversations about the movies long after they've come out? Well, you know, it was a franchise that started in the '60s, so it's not. It's not well, okay. I'll I'll give it to you for now, just because I can't argue it. But I feel <laughs> I got him. <laughs> I feel there's more to it. Uh, I don't know. I, I've always been a James Bond fan. I always really like the films. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I I, I do mean, find it surprising. Why? Because you seem more um, anime and comic oriented, and like. You know, spy movies are kind of just like a very dulled down version of those things. It is, but I'm a tech guy. 
Oh, okay. And, you know, not so much with Dr. No. And I did like Dr. No, actually, even though it wasn't very focused on tech. I think the the, the piece of technology he was given in uh, Dr. No was the PP7, which is he's most familiar with in almost every film at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's like his gun. Yeah. But, uh, no, I've always been a fan of him. I actually, I followed Daniel Craig's series, except for the bad ones. Uh, well, that's like two hours. Quantum of Solace. And I actually did see Spectre, but only because... I was bored, and uh, they sell beer at that movie theater. So, <laughs> you didn't go for Christoph Waltz's Blofeld? No, I'm afraid not. I, I was like, maybe this will be good. The Batista was in it, and no, uh, that was not a good one. But I like uh, Skyfall, and I did like uh, Casino Royale. Yeah, uh, although my balls kind of hurt after watching that movie. <laughs> that, that, just look- that was rough. <laughs> and and a badass James Bond who was still making fun of him as he's doing it. Yeah. And the fact that James Bond is still, uh, it wasn't impotent after that either. Well, I mean, we don't know if he's having any children, but, you know. I mean, maybe that, that'll be the sequel series, you know, James Bond Jr., just like the old uh, animated show. Or a future uh, title, uh, 007 Blue Ball. Oh, God. Thunder Blue Balls, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the song itself, did you hear the song? Yes, I did. Uh, what would you think? I was indifferent to it. Um, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't like amazing to me either. In terms of her voice, uh, the only real song I know from her is the one that uh, the, the popular one she had a year or two ago. I can't think of what the title Bad of guy. It was. Bad guy. Uh, I've the first time I've heard her try to really attempt to sing a song, like because mm-hmm. even a bad guy, it's she's vocals, but. She doesn't have any. But she's got like that low, strings. almost gravel for it. Yeah, it's it's one tone throughout the whole thing. Yeah. It's more like she's 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 singing, but it's it's like a rock star singing, right? Um, she, I heard her sing during the Oscars uh, a week ago, and I heard her sing on that. She doesn't have a bad singing voice, but it, she doesn't have a, a wide range. She, okay. And I, I think if for a song like that, you could really tell like she was struggling at times. Perhaps, but I almost think like maybe the struggle adds to the tone, adds to the mood. Struggling and singing does not add to the song. No, 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 no. <laughs> hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. If this is going to be like the final song for this particular bond, mm-hmm. and they're going out on a dour note, you almost want someone to not be like super, you know, out there with it. You almost kind of want them to be almost a little emotional, kind of like a, a Demi Lovato uh, singing at the Super Bowl sort of thing. You know, you you want her to be like almost a little shaky, almost a little stirred because of the emotion behind what she's, you know, trying to sing about. I don't think of these things when I think of people singing at uh, at events. <laughs> Like, I want her to be scared, damn it. <laughs> I'm not saying scared, but I do like that there's always... I want her like, to be frightened that <laughs> millions of people are watching her. Oh, jeez. I, I, I want sim- her to be sweating. <laughs> I'm simply stating it, it's nice when you can actually feel the emotion rather than it just feeling rehearsed. Okay. And I think you get that from her with this. Well, you know, it it didn't feel so much like the emotion coming from her. It felt like she was struggling to sing a song. Uh, and again, she I I have nothing against her. Like uh, I I really I'm I hope the best for her in her career. But maybe stick to uh, to songs like Bad Guy. Uh, look, 
Obviously, oh. it wasn't uh, Live and Let Die, but it also wasn't Die no. Another Day from Madonna. I like Die Another Day. Oh, my God. Really? Yes, I do. You like that song? I used to listen to that on repeat in 2005. <sighs> what's, what's wrong with Die Another Day? There's nothing about it that says Bond. That, that is just strictly a Madonna in her, like, pop tech music phase. It's still a good song. It's not that good of a song. I like that song. There were better songs that she did back then. I'm not denying that, but I still liked it. <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> just get me away from Madonna <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Christ. Uh, uh, what was the last thing on the docket? Uh, so I guess uh, you wanted to talk about the Batman Batsuit. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan. Nor am I. No. I don't. Okay, good. We can agree on something for once yeah. a day. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think in, since we've restarted the show, we this is the first thing we are agreeing on. Yes. <laughs> um, obviously, some people are ecstatic with it. And I guess for someone of Robert Pattinson's frame, you know, it, it kind of works. Because he's, he's really, like, more lanky than, I'd say, the mm-hmm. Batman that we've gotten. You know, compared to Ben Affleck's uh, older, super jacked-up Batman and... Uh, uh, I'd say even Christian Bale probably had a little bit more meat on his bones. Um, this Batman seems like a young Batman. He seems like a young guy trying out this role, which if they are going to go ahead with like a uh, a year one sort of feel and maybe leading into like a long Halloween sort of storyline, it makes sense. It mm-hmm. makes sense to have that kind of look. I get it. But the look itself is not that great. That whole exposed neck chin thing that they're doing and like the mask of, he looks like fucking daredevil in that teaser <laughs> and i don't know if it's because of the red lighting or not but he looks like a uh, season two daredevil i think the thing that bothers me more is the the bat symbol on the on there that's supposed to be the gun that killed his parents yeah which i didn't think he would have been able to get that that soon because doesn't, like, Joe Chill kind of run off with the gun, so he would have had to have had interaction with Joe Chill at some point. Mm-hmm. And if this is supposed to be a younger Batman, how is he getting Joe Chill already? But still, it's even, like, why why do that? I guess embracing your demons and stuff like that, much in the same way he embraces the bad in order to put fear into other people, and yet he's supposed to also kind of have a fear of it himself. I don't know. You look at Batman Begins, and you see, like, that spiral of bats around him. But... It just doesn't look good to me. It doesn't. It's, it, it's not. Uh, it, it looks forced. I, I'm hoping that the whole reason they put this out there because it looks like it was a, a costume. It was a. It was a te- wardrobe test. Yeah. I'm hoping they put it out there to kind of show like, do, will the people like it or not? And I hope the response makes them change the the outfit. So you want them to go Sonic with it? Yes. Okay. That being said. What would you change? Well, first off, I wouldn't have a gun as a symbol on the on freaking Batman. See, here's the thing. When I first looked at it, I didn't even think it was a gun. I just thought it was like a battering. Like something you could remove well, you, and you, use. Well, you can actually see like the the parts of it that make up the gun, including uh the uh the the hammer. Right, which I wasn't even considering when I first looked at it. I just thought it was like a battering because battering's usually have like, you know, certain intricate 
mm-hmm. eccentricities when it comes to the points of the top and around the wing and everything. So and, like, and if it's if it ends up being like, oh well, this is how I I can keep a very quick batarang there that I can pull off my chest and throw it. All right, that'll be clever. But if it's if it turns out the storyline is like this is a gun because it's, I'm against guns or something, then then uh, I'm gonna be a little less of a fan. Well, I mean, even Ben Affleck's was killing people with, like, certain rifles and such. So, and I, mean, I was not a fan of that either. Yeah, so I don't know if they're trying to use this as, like, you know, a transitional Batman to get over the Justice League one and try to lean into this. Because, obviously, we know that Ben Affleck was supposed to be involved with this movie. He was supposed to be the one behind it before Matt Reeves took the, over. the main actor as well as the director. Yeah, but then when everything happened with Justice League and they decided to not go with that Batman again and not go with Ben Affleck again. You know, now that Ben Affleck and Kevin Smith are on good terms again, do you think Kevin Smith ever says to him, it's like, why did you leave the Batman? <laughs> oh, I'm sure they've had a conversation. It's like, you know, if that's what you want to do, you want to do it. And then he goes on talking about Batman for 40 minutes and it's like, so why did you do it? You know, <laughs> he'll, he'll give a whole big story about some comic that he wrote, and he'll finally get back to him, because that's how Kevin Smith talks. It'll go on and on. Uh, I should know. I've uh, sat and listened to the man in person, and just, he would he would take like a half hour to answer one person's question. I'm like, you can't do a Q&A with the man. Isn't it so freaking ironic that a man who's most famous for a character known as Silent Bob is one of the most talkative people you've ever seen? I, I almost think that's how the balance <laughs> of the universe works, you know? It's like, you have to give that much because you took away that much. Maybe, maybe. But, I mean, even with... Um, I mean, I, the thing is, with this Batman, I do like the position they're going with it. Like, when you looked at all the casting, when all the casting news was coming out, and you saw um, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, and um, Zoe Kravitz as Bat, uh, Catwoman, and uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler, I've really liked who they've gotten to play these characters. Because it almost feels like they're really going like... Uh, not not super serious motif, but it's almost like they're trying to go back to like the the Nolan films in a sense. You know, they're not trying to be really cartoony with it. I I'm I'm in uh, the state that a lot of Batman fans tend to go every few years, and that's the wait and see. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, crap all over it, but. Uh, I need to see a little bit more before I give uh, a real opinion of it. I get that. I get that. I'm sure a lot of opinions will sway once they actually have an official trailer as opposed to just this wardrobe tease that they did. Because Warner Brothers did the same thing back when they had uh, Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke. You know, remember when that came out before we got the little tease at the end of Justice League? Uh, I do not remember that. I Actually, I never saw Justice League. Because well, I'm not surprised by this at this point. <laughs> I, I went to go see Batman and Superman. I was so turned off by that that when Justice League came on, I was like, I'll watch it when it comes on TV. And then it came on TV and I still had no interest. And here we are. Uh, so I haven't seen Aquaman. Okay, so spoilers for Justice League. Uh, there's a little teaser at the end once everything has been resolved. And uh, uh, you see Deathstroke uh, arriving at this yacht. Serious Deadpool. Basically, yes. And you see Destro coming up, and he takes his uh, helmet off only for a brief instance, and you see Joe Manganiello with uh, the gray hair and the eye patch. He looks like a great Slade Wilson. I really wish they could have gone further with him. But he's on the yacht, yacht, yacht he's on the lot, yacht, whatever the thing is. Yacht. <laughs> he's on the boat! And he's on a boat? He's on a boat. He's on a motherfucking boat. And 
on there is Lex Luthor. And so Deathstroke's pretty much reporting to him. And it's not a, a creepy, weird Lex. It's just a very refined, sitting in a suit, having a drink, waiting is for him to Is it the same life. actor? As it uh, is Jesse Eisenberg, yeah. yes. And they almost tease, so why, should, why don't we have a league of our own? Almost implying that the you know the Legion of Doom. of Doom or the Injustice League or some version would be coming up in a future movie. It's, but the but the whole reason we were thinking about that was because we had originally seen um, some test footage of Manganello in full garb, not even taking the helmet off, but just looking at the Destro costume, which of course at that time a lot of people were comparing it to the Destro costume that you got in the Arrowverse. And how much more detailed and how much more rigid it looked. And, you know, the height of Manganello because he's a tall-ass man. So he would be a good Slade Wilson. And that test footage only ended up becoming, like, a, a drop in the bucket to the whole movie. Because, obviously, they never used him since. What? So I almost wonder if this test footage is in that same regard, where it's only going to be maybe used at some point in the movie but not the entirety of the movie like it's going to be like uh the iron man suit it's going to be like a mark one before you finally get the full suit that you're going to get for the entirety of the movie oh hopefully uh like i said i think they put i think someone leaked it out there to get uh, uh an audience reaction to get the crowd reaction and we'll see uh what happens with that i but but are you interested to see what the other characters look like at this point Based upon this. As interested as I am in seeing Justice League. Oh, yeah, boy. I have to ask, though, with, the, with you know, all the missteps of DC and the fact that they're still putting out these movies, but now they're saying none of them really link up to each other, where do you see them going in the future? Do you think they're just like, oh, we're going to have a Wonder Woman series and we're going to have an Aquaman series? Do you think they're ever try- attempt another Justice League? And if they do, is it going to be the same continuity or are they going to totally create a brand new continuity that's going to be tricky because as of right now we're even at one point talking about bringing superman in as uh michael b jordan so would yeah well that uh, would be an alternate batman uh superman that would be an alternate universe one so it'd be an alternate universe they wouldn't just say like oh this is the universe now and right because uh, they already have established black uh superman in uh a different earth but what I'm saying is, are they going to just like recanon stuff where Man of Steel didn't happen, Batman versus Superman didn't happen, Justice League didn't happen, and then all the good stuff that has been happening, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, uh, Shazam, that's just going to be... Well, actually, no, well, I can't, no, because I can't take it back because there was, a, there, was a, there was a white Superman in Shazam, so that would have to be recanon. Right. The thing is, all these movies have been technically connected with the exception of Joker. All of it is still working in this Earth One that they happen to have, whether it be Suicide Squad or Birds of Prey or Shazam or Aquaman or Wonder Woman. All of them have had nods to the Batman vs Superman. So if they do do another crossover, you do think it will be all the same canon? It will still be in the same universe, but I think it will be probably different people. I don't think they're going to go with the Justice League that they had in the original movie. I don't think. Cyborg is going to be utilized in any way, shape, or form like he was. I don't think uh, they're going to rely on Flash as much. In fact, um, as far as upcoming movies, we know that there's the um, not Shazam, Black Adam. Black Adam is having a movie coming out. Yes. And that's going to feature the Justice Society of America. So that's going to have a Hawkman. That's going to have a Doctor Fate. That's going to have a Stargirl. 
That's going to have, um, I think, I'm not sure if it's going to use the or Green Lantern with the cape. It might. So they're going to, oh, uh, that's like, that's not Green Lantern, Green Lantern. That's like the old school Green Lantern. Right. Before they really. Yeah, not, not, not Cosmic Police Green Lantern, but like. Well, the, weren't they supposed to have a, uh, a, a Lantern Corp movie at some point? I think they're changing that to a Lantern series. Uh, I think there's going to be a Green Lantern series on the uh, uh, HBO uh, streaming network when it comes out. I think that's what they're planning for, which really makes more sense because if you're going to do something for the Green Lantern core, you're going to need something more longstanding than simply a two and a half hour movie because this way then you can get into like a lot of different characters and a lot of different storylines. Whereas you only touched on them with the Ryan Reynolds one. And I feel like there's so much more you can look at and there's so many people you can get invested in. Right. It's going to be like uh, a, a Star Trek for the Green Lanterns where you have all these different people working in conjunction. And because even on Earth alone, there's like four or five different Green Lanterns. Well, yeah, you've got and that's the... in addition to every actual area that there is a, a Green Lantern. They're like the cops of the universe. Right. And even then, they've even teased it in uh, Arrowverse to an extent, and that's just uh, one of the many that they can go into. So I think that it just sticks better to have Green Lantern on television, and uh, rightfully so. Now, whether or not that series will be connected to this if they movie do the, universe, I don't know. If they do HBO, I could see them, uh, because they, they have a little more uh, room to work, a little less rules, maybe they will make it more cinematic to... And they would could use it into a movie later on. It would be nice. It would really depend on who they cast and which characters they use. I, 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 I don't want them using all the Earth Lanterns. There's no reason for it. All right? Like, maybe... I, okay, here would be my lineup. Uh, I would use Jon Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would use Hal Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I would use Kyle Rayner. Okay. No Guy Gardner. What about the 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 latest uh, Green Lantern uh, female one? I can't think of her name. Oh crap! What is her and, name? And isn't she like the main at the moment? Yes. Oh, I haven't been keeping up. I forget her name. You're supposed to be the comic book person. Damn it. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't keep track of DC and uh, Marvel just because they. But okay. Yeah. Yes. yes. At least have at least one female Lantern, but don't do the one that ended up aging herself in order to get with Hal Jordan because that's just creepy. Yes. I didn't even know about that one, but... You didn't know about that one? No, but just you said yeah, that. Yeah, there was like a, a small female Green Lantern who was like uh, preteen or like tween age, a uh, little blonde one, and she had this fixation on Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan said, no, you're much too young, I can't, no, 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 that's not happening. So she actually uses her Green Lantern powers to visually age herself into an adult, even though internally she's still this child. And they end up having a little bit more of a relationship than they should. Okay, and I'm going to cut you off there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Comics, that, man, comics. All right, I think... Uh, I'd say we're well over time, to be yeah. honest, because that clock hasn't even been accurate, to be yeah. <laughs> let's, let's be clear. We've got a lot of information here. Any final thoughts? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there were so many topics. Um, I'd say... Overall, with everything that we've talked about, there's one thing I can definitely say. CGI is a fickle business. <laughs> and, you know, for as many people as were shitting on the VX people that were working on Cats, 
uh, and the the tireless work that they had to go through with Sonic, mm-hmm. and uh, the obvious work that they'll probably have to do with uh, you know upcoming movies like Batman and the stuff they did with Hellboy and all this sort of stuff. VX people have the hardest job in Hollywood right now, I would say, and they probably don't get enough credit. I I want to say um, I I was agreeing with you all the way until you said these guys have the hardest job in Hollywood. To be honest with you, there's just I think every aspect of behind the scenes for a film in one shape or another is very, very difficult to do. And to say that one is more difficult than the other can't be said. But I, I, I'm, just, I'm just pointing it out. I, just, uh, but I do think they do have it really tough in the fact that, you know, they have to create these designs and then put it to the public and hope to God people don't crap all over it. Though, if you're going to make a Sonic, why not make it look like Sonic the first time around? But, <laughs> but the calves, man! Come on! You know, we actually... I, I meant to bring that up. Uh, we... Uh, episode 11 of our podcast, which was technically us sneaking on to Film Yap, we talked yes. about Sonic's yams. Yes. And, like, and we were like... We were just... That was the only thing we knew about Sonic at the time, <laughs> was what his legs looked like. I'm like, well, the rest of the character probably doesn't look that bad, right? And we and then we well, had it, now and then no, we had, it doesn't. Then we had that one year hiatus, and we never got to talk about how bad <laughs> that design was. <laughs> Obviously, they fixed it. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I think, think that's pretty much it. I think yeah, we've I think uh, we've got a full plate here. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us uh, this week on the JT and Big O podcast. Again, you can find us on Podbean, Spotify. Uh, we are now on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash jtbigo. Um, and, of course, we are still on our Facebook page. We do have a Twitter. I'll be honest with you. I don't have the time to run it. If you want to follow it, go ahead. You will probably not be seeing any updates. But we, do, uh, me and Ryan here do have our own social media, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the show. Ryan here is at uh, both Twitter and Instagram at Real Ordeal, that's R-E-E-L-O-R-D-E-A-L. And I am also on social media in various places, but the easiest way to find me, go to videogeekjt.com, and you can get That's my... V-I-D-E-O-J-T. No, that was incorrect. <laughs> Video Geek V-I-D-E-O-G-E-E-K-J-T. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so uh, videogeekjt.com, and there you can get my Twitter, my Instagram, and whatever social media I put on there. Just want to make sure they didn't misspell video or GT. I the geek to... is easy. <laughs> I got nothing for you, sir. <laughs> all right, until, until we meet again next week, I wish you all adieu. Bye-bye. Happy President's Day. <laughs>